Good morning, Crazy Ones. This is Jackie Crisologo with the Crazy Ones podcast, empowering visionaries, dreamers, and entrepreneurs in the pursuit of the things that give them life, their passions. Well, I this morning I had、um, an inkling to share on、um, the sacredness of grief. I, from a, an early age, maybe like age eight, seven or eight years old, had my first encounter with death. It was the death of my dog, and、uh, she was older, had、um, gotten out in the rain and caught pneumonia, and. Within a day or two, she was gone, and that was my first experience with death. And I, you know, what do you do with that as a kid? We had a, a little memorial or you know funeral for her. We buried her on the side of the house,、uh, but it was you know you don't know what to do with it when you're a kid. You know that now forever. I know that life is frail and fragile, that it's not a permanent thing. And I've had many experiences with death through my life.、Um, my mom was diagnosed with cancer when I was twelve, and as a twelve-year-old, what do you even know about cancer, right? We didn't even talk about this stuff in our family, and so I went through it alone. I went through. I there was no counseling for me. There was. I was already starting to be a depressed person, and. Listening to my mom get sick, so she fought the cancer for a good nine, no, since I was twelve, to when I was about in my twenties, no, eight, nineteen.、Uh, so about ten years,、uh, nine, nine or ten years, no, seven years. She fought this cancer, and she's a brave woman, but she was also very subdued. So we didn't discuss the death, and we didn't discuss. Loss, and I, as in my teenage years, began to experience my own depression, and my father didn't know how to handle this news either.、Um, dealing with a, a wife who was in and out of remission, and every every night my bedroom was near theirs. You know, it was like the, we shared a wall, and so I would hear her getting up in the middle of the night and throwing up. You know, and. Hard thing for a kid to have to hear, and watching her deteriorate, her her body deteriorate. And my by six by age sixteen, I was already having suicidal ideation.、Um, my mom passed finally at、um, at my when I was nineteen, so she was probably maybe forty something, early forties. So she was young, and. I was still suicidal <laughs> when I was in college. My grades started slipping. I really, I started getting my first D in college, and that was unheard of, especially when I came from high school getting straight A's, you know, and graduating、uh, with, you know, you know,、uh, high honors. And dealing with loss. Was something I was completely oblivious to. I didn't even know I had to deal with it. I just thought that's what happened, and there's no choice in life. And of course, when you think that way, then you're like, well, what's the purpose of even living? What is even the purpose of even being here? And I had some rage, road rage, you know, when <laughs> I would commute back and forth to college, and 
I started experiencing just this, you know, this depression that I would cry my sleep at self to sleep, you know, I would isolate and I had no one, no one to talk to about any of this. And it didn't occur to me that it was, I was going through a sacred moment, but I was at my mom's deathbed. I was the only one there. My, my brother and my dad were, were busy um, pre- making preparations and I was sitting by my mom's bedside and I just felt like because I was so wrapped up in my own grief and not even knowing how to deal with it, I couldn't even really fully be there for my mom when she needed love and support and, and um, just encouragement, you know, and just someone to hold her hand. And so I feel like in some ways she went through her process of, you know, transitioning alone. And that caused me shame in my life. I, I didn't know how to deal with that. And, and I didn't expect to get so deeply personal with this topic. But only to say that um, if you've been listening to my co- podcast for uh, any period of weeks or days, um, you'll hear that I'm not a sad person. I'm actually, I found joy and vitality in life. But I came from a place of desperation and, and just despondency. I was not a happy camper growing up. I, we didn't, I don't remember a whole lot of joyful moments. I just remember a lot of sorrow and sadness and as I now have learned um, the saving grace, so I did try to kill myself, <laughs> just failed at that. I felt like a failure and everything. I was feeling like very down on myself. And there was this moment of just surrender when I was in, I was, I tried to kill myself by, um, you know, sitting in the car or turning uh, turning on the engine and closing the garage and I had been formulating this plan in my mind for years and you know the only thing I didn't do and because we had dogs that we kept in the garage um, you know when we weren't home and um, we had a van in there as well and so it was I there was I if I set the intention to to bring my car into the garage. I had to take the van out of the garage and I also had to take the dogs out and put them in the backyard. So there was it, there was some involvement and there was intention when I finally decided to do it. I had to physically, you know, I couldn't just do it on the fly. I had to make the, the I don't want to say event, but the circumstances I had to plan for that and I had to plan the timing of it all because my dad um, got home from work at around four o'clock on the dot and so I had to I had to there was a lot of planning involved just to say that it was not just a one-time fly you know fly-by-night type I thought it was something that I was had been preparing for and it was um, just I just didn't know what the purpose was of being here anymore and it was like okay if I believe in heaven 
so I believe that heaven is better than this place. So why, why not just accelerate <laughs> my journey there? And um, as I go through and remember the grief that I experienced, I realized that I had held on to that grief for many, many years after that. So I did fail, obviously, in killing myself. And it was by divine design because I remember, you know, saying to God as I turned on the engine and I was just, I just told God, I'm just going to close my eyes and sleep. And when I wake up, I'll be in heaven with you. I just remember saying that to him. (laughs) And he had angels surrounding me during that moment, that time. He had protected me from any harm because I don't even know how long I was asleep honestly I it was it was enough I thought it was enough time definitely I was robbing myself of oxygen you know and and maybe it's harder these days when the way they treat uh, fuel Um, but there's there was this protection that I experienced this guidance that or this this divine intervention that said I'm not through with you yet and I remember waking up I looked at the clock on my little car dashboard and it was four o'clock and I'm like oh crap my dad's home (laughs) and I didn't hear the car or anything come up but he obviously saw van was out of the garage he saw that the dogs were in the backyard and he opened the garage door and he saw probably the fumes and he came out and just helped me to my bedroom but we really didn't talk about that moment we really didn't talk about the grief that I was going through he didn't know how to talk to me we had fought a lot when you're grieving and you don't express it you're just angry with the world. It doesn't make any sense why you're even there. And and if and he and I were never on the same page. I didn't experience love and compassion because he was dealing with grief in his own way. He didn't have the bandwidth to even know how to deal deal with me, to know how to help me. And as I was as I came down after resting, you know, he the one only only question he could ask was, were you doing drugs? And like, really? In my head, I'm just, really? That's how, that's what you're thinking? That's what you're, you're going to go with? <laughs> oh, by the way, I forgot to mention, as I was sitting at my mom's deathbed and I was watching her pass, I just remember, you know, crying in tears for forgiveness. And, and then... And I let her go, and I remember coming out of the bedroom, the hospital room, and my dad at that moment walks up, and so he just missed her passing. And I went to give my dad a hug, and the only response I got was he couldn't even put his arms around me. And it's like the shame and the guilt I was already feeling from my mom, you know, not being there for her. I felt that shame all over again, compounded, because now I felt like my dad was blaming me for her death. 
So this is a lot for a teenager to, to take in. I'm 19 years old by this time. I'm 19 years old and I'm trying to figure out life. I'm on my own now in college and then I have to move back home to be with my dad because he can't, he doesn't know how to deal with death. He doesn't know how to grieve. And so he needs company and, you know, but we yet, what good was I being there? It really wasn't, I wasn't serving anyone there. And I just, I couldn't take it anymore. So I finally decided to, you know, take my own life. And and there were other circumstances that drove me to it. I, I just kept making um, mistakes that I felt like were stupid. And uh, I just was reacting to life rather than learning how to respond. Um, I couldn't think. I was just, it was, none of it made sense to me. And the only solution seemed to be uh, for exiting this life. And then since then, I had that divine appointment where I was, it was clear that God was not done with me yet. I remember saying to him, okay, well, I don't know. I don't know what, (laughs) I guess you have more for me. And I left it at that. I guess you have more for me. And it never occurred to me that I could find joy in life. I didn't even know what that meant. I didn't even know. I, I, I guess I had seen happy people, and I, but I, 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 it wasn't even on my radar that joy would be a part of life. <laughs> but I did find forgiveness, and I did find you know, forgiveness for my shame. But it was still decades long before I would start to experience a vibrant life, a life that I truly love, a life that is filled with joy and anticipation for the beauty and the wonder that we have in this life. And I wanted to share this idea of the sacred space of grief because I think grief had given me an opportunity to understand just how precious life really is. But it also... As I would go through the grieving process, it because grief, it makes you aware of how you've been behaving. And by behaving, I just mean the habits and the, and the way you've lived your life. How you've been behaving, and now all of that seems irrelevant <laughs> at, the to- at the time. There's like this awakening that happens when death occurs and at one point you're you're dealing with loss and you have to navigate your life without with that loss now in place there's a void now that has been you know that is is taking place and and you're learning how to try to fill that what do you fill that void with you know is it even possible to fill that void some my friend, I had a, a friend who just lost her husband last year. And like I, I said in a previous podcast, she was, her her and her husband, they were to me the epitome of an ideal couple. They they loved each other. They were best friends. They I, I love seeing them interacting. You could see the adoration they had for each other, the closeness, the tightness. And it was such an honor to witness that because it, it like gave me, you know, a beautiful representation or a model of what a happy, healthy marriage is like, because I didn't necessarily see that growing up myself. 
and to see a happy, healthy marriage and for her to suddenly, literally suddenly lose her husband in, a, in minutes. And what, how does she deal with that? How does she deal with that loss? And because of my experience with grief and my experience of healing, I was able to take her on her, I was able to honor her grief. I wasn't giving her pat answers. And she was getting a lot of pat answers from a lot of people from her church and from her, you know, circle of influence. And they weren't helping her. They were just frustrating her. They were just, ugh. They were just wanting to make her isolate. And so I helped her with this grieving process from a heart level. I realized, I, you don't have to be anything with me. I just want to honor you with what you're going through in this moment because it is all good. It's not good that you're experiencing loss. No, that sucks. But the growth that's going to come out, the revelation that's going to come from this, I knew in my mind and my heart that this grieving process was for her good. And sure enough, you know, there was this moment where I asked her this question as she was, I could see glimmers, glimpses of her coming out of her grief, you know, little bits of hope that started lighting up like little flickers, like sparks, you know, in, in a, you know, dry land. She was feeling these little sparks of hope and they would just pop up, you know, randomly. And she was also, she was also handling grief in such a healthy way. It was like textbook. This is the way you want to handle grief. You want to surround yourself with people who will understand you who are in maybe even going through what you're going through. You want to be able to be open and share and vulnerable. Well, I don't say, say vulnerable, but there is a level of vulnerability that you have to experience. And that's the hard part. We're so used to, at least here in America, a lot of us are used to being strong and, you know, we have to have it all together and we have to, you know, we got this, you know, and, and there's a place for that. But grief is not that place. Grief is where you're real with what you're going through. You're real with yourself, you're real with others, and you're real with God. And I, you know, there was some friend, there was a friend in her life who was not understanding grief at all. And she said she went through her own, own grief. But I kind of questioned that because the way she was talking to my friend made me really wonder about that because she was really out of sync with what my friend needed. My friend just needed to be herself. She needed to be real with where she was at, what she was experiencing. She needed to, to process the loss and to think of even how do you even, how do I even move forward from this? How do I, I can't even, she didn't, she just wanted this life to end because she couldn't imagine. It was like her heart, her soul, was ripped in half the half that took her husband I mean her went with her uh, half of it went with her uh, with her husband when he passed and she felt like this empty inside she couldn't understand and it was hard for her to understand God and why he would do this to her and as I took her <clears throat> to through this I knew it was sacred I knew that what she was going through with God 
the realness she was being, the rawness she was being, that was, that was sacred. That was a sacred moment for her. And there would be these periods of ups and downs and joys and then intense sorrow. And she just, she just started learning how to manage that more as time progressed. And as she grew, the pain had lost some of its sting and she was able to move forward a little bit more and she was able to break out of her shell a little bit more and she was be able to come in contact with other people who she didn't feel safe around before she started finding a new a new joy she was able to get a puppy and now that she's beautifully distracted by this puppy and she is an adorable puppy, by the way. Very adorable. Adorable. How could you even, without looking, you know, animals bring um, this level of healing to us. Um, they, there's this, this unconditional love that they bring and this vibrancy and joy in life that they bring as just being our best friends, you know, especially dogs. <laughs> dogs... I have a faithful, loyal dog who is always by my side when he can be, when he can be. And my cats, they love me, but they're also, they're not by my side all the time. He, this dog follows me. And so this dog, this puppy that she got, all of a sudden gave her a new, a new purpose in life. Um, and there were times too when, you know, the puppy got sick and she would be, she would feel that anxiety again of loss. And she would sit and I would help her process that too, you know. The thing is, life is frail and we just have no idea how long we have on this earth. And especially COVID has taken so many lives and we have no idea. Just this year, I've learned of at least two people. One in my immediate, you know, sphere of influence I, I knew personally. Um, I hadn't seen him for a while, but he was a pastor of a very large church. And he was very influential in my early years. Um, as a young um, person who finally found a, a purpose for living. But there's so many people who have gone through grief and are still going through it, and they have no idea how they're going to get through to the day. And, and yet there are some people who have gone through the grief process, and they understand anyone who's dealt with any kind of adversity they've gone through that sacred space. It's a, it's a space of being real and raw with yourself and with God and, and coming to the matter of the heart that life is precious and your life is precious. And that this, this time that we have on earth could be used for so much more than we give ourselves credit. There are times when in my depression I would just spend hours and watching TV, you know, doing nothing else because I didn't have any motivation for life. And even recently, I was finding myself, you know, getting back into the habit of watching TV for long periods of time, especially now that we have streaming on your, your, all your devices. It was just, it just became a habit and a, you know, an addiction in, a, in some ways. It was, I was feeling, filling a void that I didn't even know was there. And it was in coming to learn that sometimes we're grieving the loss of a loved one or a loved beloved pet but sometimes we're grieving the loss of jobs a job which 
we had formed an identity around. And with the loss of the job came that loss of identity. Well, who am I now? Now that I don't have this job, what's my life supposed to be about? You know, maybe for some people who had, who had not been at a job for too long of a time, maybe they found it easier to bounce back. Or maybe we're living in a period now where job insecurity is more commonplace. But when I was, when I had graduated from college, I expected to be at my company for 30 years. I was only there 14 and I was laid off. And we had gone through three rounds of layoffs. So I was part of the, the third round of layoffs. And I had, you know, you, you, you're learning what next? I don't know. I had formed my identity, identity around this is who I was supposed to be. And now that's taken away from me. And I don't, I don't know. I don't, life, life slams you sometimes with loss. Maybe the loss of a job also means the loss of income. Now, how am I support, supposed to support myself? Now, how am I support, supposed to feed my family? How do I keep a roof over my head when I don't have money? And we're dealing with loss of just identity, loss of... We're dealing with so many losses, especially during this pandemic. And I say all this to say that it's all sacred if you let it be it's all a place for you to get real with who you are because what I came to realize was that after losing my job I came to realize that I had been in such a strong pattern of being at that job I showed up it was like five ten minutes away from my home I commuted made that commute I worked I did my job very well and there wasn't many, many, many challenges I experienced. And I was kind of in, on autopilot. I was realizing that I wasn't really living life. I was going through the motions of life. And sometimes what grief does and loss is it wakes you up. It, it wakes you up from the sleep pattern of autopilot. And it forces you to realize there has to be more to life than this. And that awakening is sometimes what stirs us on this. It propels us. It sets a stage for a life that can be vibrant if you let it. And there's obviously other ways of dealing with loss and grief, self-medicating, self people who don't have co good coping skills, have you know used alternative solutions like um, alcohol or substance use, which is very prominent. They may experience anxiety, depression. They may experience post-traumatic stress disorder. And these these are maladaptive ways of our body trying to, or our you know ourselves just trying to cope with loss, that void that is is now there because we haven't learned appropriate skills or other skills to use that would create a different trajectory for our life. And so I just wanted to share this whole concept of sacred space, allowing for the grieving process to happen. I really don't know where you're coming from at this point. I don't know if you've experienced a loss recently we lost my stepmom back in 2019, 
almost, it's about over, just a little over two years ago. And my dad is now um, aging very quickly and his body is, is failing him. And it's, it could be very soon that I'm going to have to say goodbye to him as well. But I think energetically, my dad and I have, I've been, I've been kind of grieving his, the loss of him through a lot of my life. And I've, because I found healing in our relationship with him, I, and I gave myself the space to be raw and real with myself and with him. Our relationship is so different now. And now I can fully be present as he transitions from this life. Now I can be fully present um, for him to help him navigate through his own grief and his own having to say goodbye to this life, his own dealings with regret, with uncertainty, with fear. And he says he's not afraid to die. I think he's, I think he's in a much better place than he was you know, a while back. I think he's finally found peace with God and peace with himself. He's definitely found peace with the family. And it's, as I'm listening and and talking to him, his dementia is starting to take more of a hold in his life. And talking with him is different because now we don't know if he's, he's coming from reality or from his imagination or his perception of what life is, is giving to him. And my brother and I, you know, have gone through the same grieving process he handled it much better than me he but he had also support that I didn't have he had uh, coaches and he was involved in sports and he had friends he would talk to and I just I just was a loner I was shy and I didn't know who to go to and I would was just but now my brother and I as we've been caring for my father for the past couple of years and watching his decline, especially this past year. This past year, has he's fallen so many times and he's been in and out of the hospital so many times. And it sets us on this, you know, revolving door pattern. And, you know, finally we have him in a skilled nursing facility and we're hoping he can stay there. But yet he doesn't want to be there. There's a part of him that really wants to be at home, even, even though we can't give him the, the care he needs there without it being very, very, very expensive. And as he's transitioning and my brother and I are just, you know, we're, we're learning to say goodbye too, to him. We're learning how, how can we make this transition? Cause we didn't have the, we didn't have the uh, knowledge back then. We, we didn't have the skill set. We didn't have the tools in our tool belt. Uh, when my mom died, my brother was much more compassionate and was pre- more present with my mom than I was. But still, we were little kids. We didn't, you know, we were growing up. We were youth. We didn't know. We didn't have, you know, counseling. I didn't have a counseling background back then. I didn't know how to deal with loss. But now that we're together dealing, helping with my dad transition, it's been a really beautiful thing to be experiencing this with my brother. I I love my brother. He's such such an amazing support for me and and I, I I just feel so blessed that with my father I can help him transition and I I can deal with grief so much more effectively now 
I can see it as a sacred space that both my brother and I grew closer, my, my father and I grew closer, my brother and my father grew closer. Such a sacred space for life to come out of loss. Um, I don't have a challenge for you today, but I just want to encourage you. Allow yourself to grieve. If you're going through some sort of loss, whether it's the loss of a dream, a loss of a job, the loss of a, a loved one, give yourself sacred space to just be, to just be you, to go through the process, to know it's all okay. It's all okay. No matter how, if you want to scream at the world, it's all okay. It's, it's so much better to get it out than to hold it in. It's so much better to release that energy than to suppress it. You want energy flowing through you. You want to free it up. And sometimes we can be stuck and keep ourselves in stuck patterns if we don't allow that energy to be released. So honor that sacred space of grace and loss and grief. This is Jackie Chrysologa with the Crazy Ones Podcast. I know it was a different type of feel, but I just felt like it was a message that was important for people to hear. Take care.